Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here. This is the Big 12 Watch. Top dogs, Oklahoma State and Texas. Will they stumble with road tests this week? Also, games wire to wire, pillar to post this Saturday with meaning in the Big 12 Conference. Once again, this is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Make sure you all like the video, subscribe to the channel. It's the best way to support us here. Leave your comments on your thoughts on this weekend's Big 12 action. Also, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Five stars there as well, too. And also, uh, we are on X slash Twitter. I am at NWPod365 for the show. And then at Josh Neighbors underscore for all things Sports Plus, Big 12 thoughts. And also, folks, your Big 12 best bets on a Saturday. So far this season, the bread truck picks for the Big 12 on Saturday mornings are... 39 and something like we're 64% basically is what it is. Uh, we are 64% correct on the season, big 12 best bets and uh, having a great year. Uh, 34, 19. That's where we are right now. Yep. 34, 19 overall. So it's getting more challenging as these games kind of step up. You got to figure out, Hey, are some teams checked out? Some teams still fighting. Um, and so, yeah, it makes this a whole lot more interesting, but closing line value can be tough. Sometimes you're going to bet things earlier in the week. No, we're betting it later on in the week. We got a full seven game Saturday. And my number one takeaway when I think about this Big 12 slate this week is this, is that this is a really good look ahead to what the conference will be like in the future. And what I mean when I say that is, if you look at the schedule, we'll pull up this Big 12 menu right now. If you look at the Big 12 schedule for uh, this weekend, what you will see is that wire-to-wire action. All day long, we're going to be seeing Big 12 action. And when we talked about what the Big 12's value was as a television property, and when people say, you know, people say, hey, the Big 12's had a lot of success, obviously TC in the national championship game, Baylor and Oklahoma State year before, really good stuff. You know, obviously that game and them in year six bowls, I agree. But also too, you know, television companies really do value those big two, Right. There's a reason why the Pac-12 has gone away. The ACC, their grant of rights is helping them cling to life as certain schools want to leave, right? Um, it's really nice right now to be in the SEC or the Big Ten. But the one thing the Big 12 offers, and I know the Big Ten does offer a certain element of this, but the Big 12 offers more, I'd say, like-minded schools like with this. Like there's there's something about Arizona against Air, like Oklahoma State that feels a bit less random than, I don't know, uh, Oregon versus Indiana, right? Like just a bit more 
well, actually, I know the right word, competitive, right? That is the word. And so you're seeing this is an 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. slate, right? This is games. I mean, guys, we got games kicking off at 11 a.m. And then you got a game kicking off 10 hours later at 9 p.m. So that's going to guarantee you that there's over 12 hours of Big 12 football on a Saturday. And so we talk about this all the time. Like this conference is so much fun to watch. It's so exciting. I tweeted it out last week about what was happening in that early window. If you all remember the early window in the Big 12 conference last week, guys, we had four games decided by a total of nine points, two of which went to overtime, right? Two of them went to overtime. So uh, obviously you're seeing the competitive nature. And look, some of those involved Texas and Oklahoma. Two of them did. Two of them did not, though, right? UCF and Cincinnati did not. It's a big game for bowl eligibility and things of that nature. But you're seeing down the line, there is something on the line in all of these games. And they're all starting. I mean, we got one game at noon or, you know, 11 a.m. We've got one at two, one at 2.30. We've got two at six, one at seven, uh, and one at nine. And we've got ESPN, ABC, FS1, Fox, ESPN Plus, all represented. I mean, You've got the main channels, you've got the secondary channels, you've got the online. The Big 12's ability to satisfy everything a television network could need. And while everything uh, in terms of like windows and whatnot, and number one, competitive games, the big thing, a lot of these games can be competitive. You never know what you're going to get. That's what's so exciting about this league, right? That's what's so exciting about this league. It's another exciting week. So let's begin. We go through the menu in chronological order, not based off of what we feel like are the biggest games because we serve all Big 12 fans. The best way to do it is go chronologically through that schedule, right? So let's start. Uh, 11 a.m. on FS1. It is Texas Tech and number 16, Kansas. Now, that's the number 16 in the AP. I use the AP poll ranking. Oh, no, I think it's CFP, yeah. Because um, I did these a little bit earlier in the week. So this line has grown to four. Uh, folks seem to think that Texas or that, 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 uh, Kansas will cover that. So look, as good as that Texas tech win was last week, it was nice to see Kansas is on a little bit of a heater right now, right? After, even though it's been back to back games, it's two games. KU is on a little bit of a heater as they've come off victories over Oklahoma and then one on the road against Iowa state. And they've just been really strong in those games. Like just their quality of play overall to me has been really strong. I know Jason Bean's been shaky at times, but they've hit explosive passing plays. They've been able to run the ball effectively, even though they didn't as much last week. And so if Kansas is playing games, they, they've even shown now, even if they're not playing games on their terms, they can win, right? And this Texas Tech defense towards the top of the league, but actually like really honestly, you know, mostly middle of the pack. Um, this is a good challenge for the Texas Tech run defense because they've been pretty good this year, especially in conference play. This is a Texas Tech rushing defense that has done a very good job in terms of limiting compared to the rest of the league. They're not getting outright gashed. The one issue that you – and look, they they uh, really did a good job of um, bottling up Amari DiMercato – pardon Amari DiMercato – Amani Bailey in the TCU game, right? Making the game fall on the shoulders of Josh Hoover. Now, I don't know if that's as possible in this spot because Kansas is so creative at running the football. And also, too, Jason Bean is gaining confidence with each win now. Jason Bean, for a long time, has been a starter in a lot of games that KU has been close in. Some not so close in, but in recent memory, he's been the starter for a lot of games that they've been close in. And also, too, guys, 
a lot of games where, you know, uh, uh, they've lost, though. They, you know, they've not been able to get over the hump and, and always his fault. But now he's able to, you know, lead game winning drives and, uh, you know, hit deep shots down the field and obviously create explosive plays with his legs. Right. The arm is there, too. We know about the track speed and everything. So it just feels like because KU is a peaking team that like the odds will always kind of be, especially this version right now of Kansas, as they're getting better, as they're improving, and as their defense is not a bunch of stalwarts, you know, could happen yet, I guess the qualifying word, um, you know, the numbers will be closer for them in terms of how, how much they're favored by. So that's why I think the number is as low as it is, three and a half, four in some places, but also too, it feels like they're the right side in this game. Now let's see where that number grows. It's at four now. If this thing goes to four and a half, five, I mean, you might have to consider taking Texas Tech, right? You, you have to seriously consider, hey, I think it's a close game because KU is not boat racing teams, right? If you look at their Big 12 wins, they have an 11-point win over BYU, a 29-point win over UCF. So there, there's a, you know, there's a boat racing right there, but a five-point win over Oklahoma, a seven-point win over Iowa State, and a, a seven-point loss against Oklahoma State. So a lot of their games have been uh, close. The outliers being the Texas game, which was close in the third quarter, but they were outclassed. And obviously there too, um, uh, the UCF game. UCF was just not, that was not a good performance from them. Right. But a lot of those games have been close and this is not a, um, against the teams that have been, you know, old big 12 teams like Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to do the last one due to do uh, Iowa State. They have played right, you're seeing a bit more of the closer action. So that's why I would look at on that one. I feel pretty good about a Kansas win. Baron Morton did look good last week. Obviously, Taj Brooks is a new element, uh, no new, new element, but like, you know, his massive success is something that we haven't always seen. And uh, he's always been capable. They just had to give him the ball. So credit to Zach Kitley. It's an improving team. But on tech side of things, this is a big game for them in terms of trying to make a bowl. For them left in the schedule, they've got UCF and at Texas. So if they win here, there's a very good chance that they, you know, they beat UCF next week, which is very possible at home. They're going to a bowl game. If not, they're going to have to win that game and then also beat Texas on the road on Black Friday at night to try and get into a bowl, which um, good luck to you on that one. Uh, I'd love to see it happen, but good luck to you on that front. So. That's there. And then Kansas obviously trying to keep up in the Big 12 title race because they are still in this thing and still on the table for the Jayhawks. A nine, I mean, they're right now, they've got Texas Tech, K State at Cincinnati. So they can win two of the last three. They'll give themselves an opportunity to win 10, right? Uh, they'll give themselves an opportunity to win 10, which is big, a big deal. All right. Uh, two o'clock on ESPN Plus. The Kansas State Wildcats are looking to keep their pace in the Big 12 conference as they take on the Baylor Bears who need this game to get to a bowl game. So I think maybe you think, hey, we'll see some fire from them because it's kind of their last shot, their last chance. Um, I see more of this as a case for Kansas State to get back on track because their offense did late in the game against Texas, but they were mostly held in check. This is another chance for them to you know, become explosive once again, I would say, and you know, get to seven and three, get to five and two, and then get themselves heading into next week's Sunflower Showdown with some serious momentum. So I think this thing is cratered for Baylor. 
Um, I felt pretty confident in saying that, you know, a, a lot recently. Uh, they're 12th in the league when it comes to rush defense. Kansas State's got the second best rushing offense in the league in league games and six contests. Uh, I think you know where the hammer is coming. Also try to get Will Howard back involved. But I, I think too, like Avery Johnson didn't get much run last week. And I don't think there was really much of a point to because as dynamic as he is, you are not running the ball against Texas. You're just not. Nobody's been able to this year except for one guy, Dylan Gabriel, who did it you know, impressively. And some of that was scramble drill and whatnot. Some of it was designed, but he's the only guy. He's really the only guy this year to think about successful rushing outings against Texas that like comes to mind. Um, so I think because of that, right, like get him reintegrated in this game. And now, you know, I'm not sure how many more Texas matchups you have the rest of the year. Uh, you, you know, you probably don't have one, uh, but at least get yourself rolling. And you've got two guys, uh, two teams the rest of the way after this game at KU Iowa State who are in the Big 12 title picture, both rivalry games as well, too. Make sure you're firing all cylinders for that. So I like Kansas State. Uh, the number we'll see about. All right, 2.30 on ESPN. This one is a really big game, obviously, in the league with Oklahoma State traveling to Orlando to take on UCF. So when you think about this matchup, uh, what comes to your mind for me is a letdown spot, right? If you're Oklahoma State, you just played Oklahoma. You just emptied the tank in Bedlam. You've been on a really good roll recently. And so you're having all of these, you know, you're having this kind of uh, couple things come together, right? For you, mostly this game is about keeping pace at the top, keeping this role going, because if you win this game, man, it's hard to, I mean, Houston could give them a scare next week for sure. Yes, I, I contend that could be true. But like, this is the massive letdown spot. This is the place where you could get surprised by it. Not surprised, but like, this is the place where you got to make sure you're up for it. Now, the other side of this was I thought Kansas could run into that last week, and because they're so well-coached and well-prepared, um, they did not do that. You know, I think for them, this team, like they've had a nice balance, right? The Kansas win was obviously, the K-State win was huge on a Friday night. They got an extra day of rest for the KU game on the road, right? 48-34 offense is explosive. Got a little bit of a break with the Cincinnati game the next week. They started off slow in, and they have obviously the big emotional dump that they have against Oklahoma. Now you've got UCF. And the reason why, guys, I talk about running defense and running numbers so much is because of this. A lot of what happens in this conference, a lot of it, like think about the teams at the top. What does Texas do really well? Well, Jonathan Brooks is very good. And also, too, they stop the run very well, right? A.D. Mitchell's huge. They hit some explosive plays, too. But like their bread and butter is using Jonathan Brooks. And so that's important. What does Oklahoma State do extremely well? They run the football extremely well. So with that in mind, okay, uh, you know, that's they're towards the top of the league. Like K-State, what do they want to do? They want to run the football, right? Oklahoma is only the one of one of the few teams up there towards the top that has had a difficult time consistently rushing the football. And also the one game they you know, the biggest win of the season for them against Texas, they got an amazing rushing effort out of Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback, right? Other games they have not been as consistent and they have struggled. So when it's you know, Kansas towards top of the league, running the football, that's what they do. It's their bread and butter. Iowa State game was almost an outlier as they were not able to run the rock and still won the game. That's why these rushing numbers are so important. And so when you talk about this game, Oklahoma State fourth in the league, obviously, uh, you know, in, in rushing in the league. But the big thing for them is Ollie Gordon, right, has been phenomenal for them. 
and their rushing attack is very good at six yards a carry, which is the best in the league. Um, UCF is allowing 5.7 yards per rush, allowing 259 rushing yards a game, and they've allowed the most rushing touchdowns. Okay. This is bad news. Now, once again, I would like to see some Jaden Nixon because uh, Ollie Gordon did, you know, get a little banged up. It looked like in that last game, but you need to make sure that they are rotating some guys in because I don't want to see Ollie burn out. Now he's on a big run. He's a young guy. So I guess you can keep, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep keeping on, uh, I guess you could say. But I think the, the big key in this game is line this thing up and run it. Thing is, and also Oklahoma State guys, it's crazy to think about this a few years ago. They want to get under center and run that thing too, man. They're, they like the counter. They like, obviously, run some sweep stuff. They like to run zone, a whole lot of zone, inside, outside zone. I mean, this, this team is, is fundamentals. It's basics. We'll see how prepared Gus Malzahn's group is for this. Uh, the emotions of this game are huge. And look, guys, that spread, th- that spread seems about right to me because you think about the playmakers that UCF has on the roster. They've got some guys that are really good playmakers. And so for them, you know, West Virginia comes to their house and beats them. Um, Oklahoma was a really close game, right? The Baylor game really close as well, too. K-State close for a while. You know, they, they have been in some really close games, and a lot of that's because of guys, you know, I think particularly R.J. Harvey, who's had a really nice kind of under-the-radar season. He's on a run right now of, uh, what is it, I think four straight games of at least 100 yards, five games straight of at least 90 yards. He had three rushing touchdowns against Cincinnati. You know, I think maybe UCF, like, to be honest, they're better off running the football than they are throwing it because John Rice Plumlee I don't trust. Although they've got the playmakers I do like, this is not a Oklahoma State secondary that just, I, I don't know if John Rice Plumlee is good enough to just beat them all the time. And I don't know if they're that good. Um, I just, I don't believe really in UCF and what they've done this year. Uh, on offense, you know, it's been fine at times, right? Like the, the rushing has, has been okay for them. The passing has been more meh for them, but their pass defense in the league too is, is absolutely crazy. They have the worst defense in the league. Uh, their pass defense, this is nuts. Second, it's second best in the league, but it's second best in the league because if you go to total defense, what's the deal for them? Well, the total defense for them on the season is uh, it's, let's see, it is worse in the league because teams know they can run the ball against UCF. Why the heck would you throw? And here's the thing, like, if Oklahoma State can't run the football, they showed last week, man, that they can balance it. They can do both. And so maybe we see a game script very similar to the K-State first drive where they do a little bit of both just to be like, look, you all can't stop us. And eventually they start riding Ollie, but it's like you all can't stop anything that we want to do. Uh, so, Or maybe it's just lining them up and knock them down right out the gate, run that football. I'm very curious to see how Mike Gundy approaches this, how he attacks it. But it feels like right now, after what I saw from Alan Bowman last week, plenty of options for Oklahoma State. And you have to consider, too, that these new Big 12 schools have not fared well against the old Big 12 schools. So here's what I'll say. Anything under three, I will take it. This line feels very courteous to to UCF. It's, it's kind of you know right zone, I think, against that coach, against that team and that place. But, but still, I think it should be like three and a half, four. Um, and I will take Oklahoma state, anything under three. So if you can gobble this up now and it's still staying steady at two and a half, I think that's a credit to UCF's coach and their playmakers. Okay. Let's get to some big dogs. Some another big dog, uh, six o'clock on Fox. This is a loser leaves town match in the big 12 title race. The reason why 
is that right now West Virginia is four and two in the league, six and three overall, and then Oklahoma four and two in the league. They are seven and two overall. Oklahoma is reeling. There's no other way to put it. After Red River, they almost lost to UCF. They uh, beat Kansas or lost to Kansas 38-33, and they lost to Oklahoma 27-24. While they're getting respect in the college football playoff rankings, to me, a lot of that is stemming from the fact that they're losing close. If you're talking about like where this team is, they're a good football team. They already have seven wins, right? It's a much improved team compared to last year, but we're not sure if this is a great operation. And because of that, that is why I think that you're seeing you know, West Virginia normally in this spot would be more than a two-touchdown dog, but that line has stayed around uh, 12 and a half, 13. Right now, I've got this thing at, let's see, live, what the, they have it at. I think it's 13 and a half now. I like West Virginia in this because that run defense was good last week, but you're going up against a whole different monster in West Virginia. The rushing attack for Oklahoma state is pretty one note in terms of who it is, right? This is three separate rushers. Uh, you've got CJ Donaldson, who is your hammer. You've got Zamir white, who is coming on in a big way. And or Zamir white. You got uh, Jaheim white. Who's coming on in a big way. And you've got Garrett green, who has been really good this year. Guys, we're at a point now where uh, we've got Jaheim White and also Jalen Anderson, too. Is you know He's had a couple of nice moments. Uh, I mean, they got a bunch of acts. But Donaldson's starting to get better. Green has been really dangerous in the ground. And Jaheim White is averaging over eight yards a carry and is more of an explosive guy that they've got. So I think that that is the big key. West Virginia can move the ball. I can pass it. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have that advantage against Oklahoma. I think the biggest thing that they can do against Oklahoma is run the football, right? So I think that is where the advantage is for West Virginia is you got to attempt to exploit that running game and do it in some creative ways. And so far this season, I have been crazy impressed with what Neil Brown has done. And if they keep this game close, I think that's good because guys, they've got uh, six wins. West Virginia is well on their way to an eight win season. Cincinnati and Matt Baylor left the rest of the way. And they've got a they've got an improving quarterback. I know it's not always super efficient. Um, I know they got no, but they got an improving quarterback. And so I like the spot that West Virginia is in here. Take the points. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. Oklahoma is reeling. I think it'll be good for them to be back home. That'll be the impetus they need. And they're good enough to win this football game. I think. So I think Oklahoma does bounce back. I know they're a little banged up. Um, you know, I, I'm I am curious to see like how like what the team's spirit is like after back to back losses, but. I think they should be able to to rebound and look like I I still think Brent Venables is learning on the fly here not on the fly but like he is uh you know learning still as a head coach and this is like a pretty market improvement already they've made on last year I mean you've got three regular season games left and you've already won more games than you did last season that's you're guaranteed to have a winning record now it's Oklahoma football sure and I think they're better than the rest of the Big Twelve but like you're not right now you know that's that's not where you're at. So we'll see if the recruiting continues to be as good and, and development too, because their defense is better. Their offense is a bit more consistent. Uh, we'll see what they do here and they should rack up eight or nine wins, but they don't feel like a big 12 championship contender. The, they are still, but the only reason they'd make it, it really seems like is a schedule. I think West Virginia definitely plays them close. I do. The, the big thing is Oklahoma needs to run the ball well, because that's the one thing you've been able to do against West Virginia. So I'm 
I want to see if they can get Walker going. I know there's other backs uh, going, Sawchuck as well, too. All right, 6 o'clock on FS1, Cincinnati at Houston. Uh, this one's pretty simple for me, folks. Take Houston, lay the points. All right. I, I think the big thing here is like Cincinnati's defense has been decent at times, but you all know my rule of thumb on this. We bet against Cincinnati until like until other, you know, until proven otherwise. Uh, it's kind of the 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 motto here uh, that we that we go upon. Uh, you know, in Houston's passing offense. Once again, I, I've been I've been impressed with Donovan Smith. Like it's hard when you've got no run game. And he's still been really, really good despite the fact they can't run the football. So I'm going to take Houston at home because if Houston wins this game as well, they are in very good position to make a bowl game, right? Uh, they will be five and five, three and four in the Big 12. And they've got Oklahoma State and at UCF left. So it's not going to be, you know, good position is a relative term, but they have to split those two final games. Will it be challenging? Yes. Can they do it? Yes. And also it'll put them over on their win total for the year, which I think would be. Good, considering I didn't think the roster was that good as they head into the Big 12 Conference. All right, 7 o'clock on ABC. We have got Texas and TCU. So the big news here in this game, this line's going to change. This is 10 the other day. That's going to move as we've just gotten the news that Quinn Ewers is going to play. That's massive for them because it felt like, look, uh, TCU could win this game right? TCU could definitely win this football game. But, um, you know, the big advantage they have was the fact that they're not playing against the starting quarterback for Texas, which obviously huge advantage, right? And then we get the news coming down here that Quinn Ewers is playing. And look, Malik Murphy was decent, but obviously a bit of a downgrade from Ewers, which makes sense. He hasn't really played that much. And, and guys don't always just burst onto the scene all the time. Hell, it took Quinn Ewers some time to get adjusted at Texas. So um, that advantage is gone. But like this is a, for TCU, I mean, they're staring down four and six right in the face. If they lose this game, four and they'll be four and six and two and five in the Big 12. And there's very little chance they go to a bowl game. They get Baylor and Oklahoma left in the schedule. They could do it, but like it does not feel like it's getting there. And we know Josh Hoover is the plan starter. Chandler Morris should be available. I'm still with Hoover at this point in the season. I think it should be him to see what you have. And I'm wondering is there any uh, is there any money left in the banana stand in terms of like can ATCU hold up against the Texas Longhorns in a game like this? Because in the past they've not just held up, but they've beaten Texas and they've beaten them somewhat you know with, with a, a decent amount of regularity, right? Uh, TCU has had that kind of one advantage, and so can their athletes rise to the occasion, night game, uh, and make some plays on the outside? Right, the secondary needs to be really good in this game. Can they attempt to run the football? If tech stops them, I don't know if they can. They're going to need their quarterback to be very good. Josh Hoover in this game. They've got some guys who can hurt that Texas secondary, which is the weakness of the defense. So, um, you know, also can they stop the run too? It's, it's where TCU is going to be tested in this game. And so, you know, if it was 10 and a half, 10, whatever it was, you'd get it before with, uh, you know, with the quarterback injury that we knew, like I would have taken TCU, but Ewers does have me a little bit concerned. This line is now 12 and a half in most places. So I, I think Texas is going through trials and tribulations right now. They are maneuvering through those. It's not always super impressive, but because they have such a, I mean, the line of scrimmage, like that's where this league is. That's, that's where a lot of leagues are won and lost. But like you saw it last week, the, the reason why 
Missouri is close with Georgia was because Missouri could hold up at the point of attack. And so that's why that game was able to be close. You know, the, the reason why Texas goes and beats in Alabama is because of how good they were at the point of attack, right? In, in those trenches, how good Georgia's dominance has really stemmed from how good they've been at the point of attack. And Texas is in that space, especially in the interior. And TCU, just this year, they have not been able to kind of scheme around any issues they had. And it started from the first week of the season. Um, that's that's really all it's been. I mean, the, from week one, like they just, there's been no real super impressive TCU performance. The SMU game looks more impressive as time goes along, especially because SMU's defense looks like it's pretty good. But overall, it's just hard to say that there's been much of a, uh, you know, a proving moment for TCU. That, like this group is not like last year's at all, but like this program is now up. It's kind of up and down once again. It's not like towards the top. It's kind of one of those top tier Big 12 programs. There's going to be some cycling at. And uh, that is not what I thought would occur this season at all. Chandler Morris was good at times, but like, I'm not sure he was totally the answer. So, you know, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm a leading on, on Texas here. If there's anything below two touchdowns, I think that's the lean on this game. And I think Texas remains at the top of the league. Iowa state nine o'clock uh, against BYU. This line has jumped from six and a half to eight. Now, you know, anytime it's a BYU game, like this feels like it's their best chance to win a game. Cause, cause Iowa state, can struggle at times. Uh, I think it's about who takes better care of the football. Uh, I believe that's gonna, that's going to be the key to whoever wins this game. I don't believe we are getting uh, Keaton Slovis in this contest. So because of that, obviously you want to lean. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, they're competing with the starting job. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the key is uh, Rhett's laugh is going to be starting a quarterback in this game for BYU, right? So. Obviously, a guy who's not looked great, hasn't played a whole lot, but big game, night game, chance to get to bowl eligibility. It'll be packed. I, I like BYU plus the points. I think Iowa State's going to win, though. Um, you know, I, I think I would not bet this game. I would not bet on, uh, you know, games like this. Like, I, I think Iowa State's a better team. I don't know if they're a touchdown, you know, in a two-point conversion better on the road than BYU. I think we saw some of those deficiencies on display for Iowa State last week. But in this spot, it's big, too. And also, Iowa State's still fighting the big 12 championship lives, even at five and four, because they're four and two in the league. I mean, guys, they still have Texas left at home and they still have K state left and it would take a, it'd, it'd be difficult. It'd be a hard road, but they could still pull it off. All right, guys, that will do it uh, for this week's show. Let me know uh, what you all think about these games. Follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh neighbors underscore. All right, folks. Talk to you on Saturday for instant reaction.